on the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We want to talk about dangers that we're facing. There's a a lot of spiritual danger in the world. The Scripture tells us to be on guard about such things, and so we're going to be talking about that as we go to our study tonight. What are some of the things some of the, in the Lord's Church? What are some of the external dangers we face? What are some of the internal dangers? We you know, face? if anybody is facing dangers, we'd want to warn them about that. And exactly. Give them, right. And this is definitely something we should be talking about, and we need to be aware of. And so we're going to talk about it, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, November 1st, 2018. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. My name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you. Kyle's behind the controls. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Good to have you. And good to have you on the other end of the line tonight. And we want to hear from you. On the phone is Beth. 877-381-4567. You can email me your comments to questions at collegeview.com, and you can put them in the chat window to the bottom of your video feed and share them with listeners around the world on the program tonight. We're looking forward to your participation in the program tonight. Um, before we get to our program, we might mention that uh, last week we had our gospel meeting here at College View. We had really a, just a great gospel meeting in, by all measurements that you'd like to take and uh, uh, we're going to i think jacob you and kyle are working on that already we're going to get all the sermons up in our podcast files Kyle's got those sh- ready to go tonight yeah so after There's the program six sermons coming in the podcast one, one was already right there one yeah. was already there and so we're going to get six more up so there. you might want to make sure you got your phone supported well before you push that update button because a big slug's coming your way if you're not on the sermon podcast feed you can find out more about how to Get on that at our website, or we can find us on Apple Podcast. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, if you're not getting our podcast, do that. It's a good thing. Uh, I I talked to a number of people who listen uh, on their way to work, maybe. A lot of people on Friday morning are listening because they don't have a chance to listen live on Thursday night, but they pick it up on Friday morning. That's good. We like live listeners. We like live participation. But if you can't do that and you can listen in the podcast form, that'd be great, too. Uh, yeah, and uh, along those lines, we're working on a listener survey. Yeah, you've been wanting to do this. I think it's a good idea, so uh, tell us what you got in mind. Yeah, so just so you can tell us how you listen, when you listen, and uh, what you think we can do to improve the program. And so we'd like a little feedback from you uh, to let us know what you're in. It's going to be a short survey, three or four minutes to, te- to complete is all. And, yeah, so when uh, no, we get it polished yeah. up, we'll, we'll email it out to you. Yeah, so be looking for that. We'll want to hear from you. And, uh, and it would be informal and uh, anonymous, so you just send us your feedback that way. Okay. Um, we always remind you, you can get a bumper sticker to help us advertise the, the virtual Bible study. We tell you to like us on Facebook and tell your friends about it through Facebook and social media. We're on Twitter. 
so a lot of ways to follow us and tell others about us. We need your help spreading the word about the Virgin Bible study. Lots of folks signing in the chat room tonight. Tell us about yourself in the chat room. Don't have to give us your name, but just might tell us where you're listening. And uh, we look forward to your comments as we go through the program tonight. Okay, so earlier today we sent, up, uh, sent out our update to our mailing list. If you're not on our mailing list, you can certainly be there by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list, and we'll do that. To our update list, we mentioned that we're warned about dangers. We want to go to this text uh, first in Acts 20. We'll do that in a minute, where Paul was talking to the elders at Ephesus, and he warned them about dangers. We want to look at that warning. But basically, the idea that Paul mentioned was there are things from outside, external issues and dangers that will confront us in the Lord's church and we need to be on guard against them. So we ask, what what do you think about some of these external dangers like attacks on the home, worldliness, other dangers that come from outside in? Mm-hmm. But then Paul also told the Ephesian elders there will be internal dangers, things from within that would cause strife and division and trouble uh, in the church. And we want to talk about those too. So we're going to, we're going to st- but let's turn to that text first in Acts chapter twenty, and just notice that. That Paul said the dangers are real, and they're, they're, it deserves our careful uh, attention. He's, Paul says in Acts 20, verse 22, Now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me, save that the Holy Ghost witness in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. So he's basically saying, he's basically saying I'm probably not going to see you again. These are my final words of admonition to you, probably, he says. Right. He goes on. Now, behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock." Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So especially uh, in verses uh, 29 and 30, he mentions grievous wolves will enter in. And he says, also of your own selves shall men arise. And so there's the idea of external dangers to the church and internal dangers to the church. You know, I think it just bears noting that we have to be aware that there are dangers. I'm afraid that we sort of get complacent in our daily lives and we forget that we're in hostile territory. Yeah. First uh, Peter 5 verse 8 tells us that the devil's like a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour that we are not in friendly territory. We've been dropped behind enemy lines, and if, as a soldier, we would be very foolish to just walk around like just there's no danger. Just around like there's no dangers. Yeah. Uh, the scriptures over and over again tell us that that the world is, is and the devil are out to get us. We're told that we need to be putting on the whole armor of God in Ephesians chapter six, so that we're ready to fight that spiritual battle. Uh, Jesus told us that the world would hate us because it hates him in uh, John chapter 15, verse 18. Yet, yet Christians are sort of 
just meandering through life without too much concern for the dangers that exist. I think you're right. And also, I think that we would have to observe that, you know, the idea that nothing, it doesn't really matter. I mean, believe what you want to believe, do what you want to do. Uh, Paul's warning here suggests that it does matter. And there will be people uh, trying to get you to do other things, trying to get you to believe different things. And you're going to have to be on guard against that. The, the, the very idea that, oh, everything's okay. Uh, you do what you want to do the way you want to do it. I'll do what I want. And Kyle can do what he wants. And God just accepts it all and it doesn't matter. It really, it's just doesn't, it's not an issue. That really, there, there's so many places in the scriptures that defeat that notion. But here's, here's a text that would imply that's not the case. You are going to have to be careful and you're going to have to do God's things and God's ways. And there are going to be people trying to keep you from doing it. Notice the language, grievous wolves, not sparing the flock. This is life or death. This yeah, is serious yeah. business. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So uh, our, our first observation just needs to be that there are dangers. Yeah. Uh, as you said, a lot of people don't seem to recognize that. And, and maybe even we uh, don't really watch as carefully as we should all the time. So we just got to be careful. And, and, and the, the, the danger is that we want to sort of get friendly with the world and sort of cozy up to the world and think, man, you know, the world's not that bad. Maybe they'll like us. Maybe we, you know, maybe maybe it's not as dire situation as we yeah. think. And and we've talked about this before, especially when we talk about our kids. You know, we we have this idea we don't want to be different. Yeah, we have to be different. Yeah. And when we're different, then we're going to be under attack. Yes, absolutely. All right, all right. So let's talk about some of these external dangers that we face. And I mentioned just a couple of things, and I think there are some more to be added. I started out by just mentioning attacks on the home, things like homosexuality. Uh, that's just one form of sexual sin that's becoming more and more prevalent. Actually, I don't think it's necessarily becoming more prevalent. I was just doing some research on statistics about that today. And even currently, there's the, the, the estimates are that only about 1% of American women are lesbians and only about two percent of american men are homosexual Mm -hmm. so only you know that's a low low percentage and and so that's not so much the risk as it is the other statistic i found today is that acceptance in the american culture of homosexuality has now risen to 62%. You look at the graphs and it's totally yeah. flipped. Yeah. It's, it makes an X. Those okay. who, agree, uh, who, who disagree are going down and those who agree are going up, yeah. and it's staggering. Yeah. So, you know, like three out of five people say, yeah, we think homosexuality is morally acceptable. Well, we're, we're living in that society. We're trying to raise our children in that right. society. And so that presents a real threat because that's that's quickly becoming a norm, and we are on the outside of that norm. And so we're going to be under attack because of that. that's just one example. But uh, so not that many years ago, the weirdo was the homosexual person. Now the weirdo is the person who opposes homosexuality. And so that's just that's just the world we live in, and that's the kind of moral dangers that we're facing. But it's not simply that. It's other things that have led up to that that have caused our society to 
get to the point where homosexuality is accepted. And it started a long time ago when society started to accept unscriptural divorces and remarriages. Yeah, go ahead and expound on that. You've made that point before, and I like, I think you're right. Well, because we thumbed our nose at what God said about heterosexual relationships. And so why would we have any ground to stand on when we say that homosexual relationships are not accepted? And we have presented a society that doesn't value a a heterosexual relationship that God ordained. And why should we expect if, as adults, we don't honor that and respect it, why would we expect our children to want to honor and accept that and uh, to pursue those types of relationships when they weren't all that important to us as adults? I think you're exactly right. Uh, I believe that we're not probably way far away from the, the possibility that as we speak on these issues, in particular you can think of homosexuality, you could you could envision, and it wouldn't take a whole lot of imagination to think that in coming years when we preach against homosexuality, as we must, it's a moral issue. It's plainly condemned in the scriptures. Uh, we haven't looked at passages, but passages like uh, Romans chapter 1 uh, plainly denounce homosexuality. So when we preach that, uh, it's going to be labeled as hate speech. There's a possibility that we could be prosecuted for that sort of teaching. Uh, so, you know, don't, we should not take this too lightly. It's a, it's a, a serious issue. Yeah, and, um, and quite the opposite. We're not doing this out of, of hate. I mean, we, we love uh, those who may be engaged in this sin. We love them. We, we want to just tell them though, that's not God's will for them in their life, uh, and it's not a, an authorized activity. And it is a sinful activity that God expects uh, to be repented of if you're going to be in a right relationship with him. Yeah. Uh, might mention uh, along this line, we've got an email from Stephen in Rock Mart, Georgia. And he mentions that, well, I won't read all that he had to say, but he mentions that he sees a couple of dangers that we face. One of them being the 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 liberal, the socially liberal people in our society. And that's just what we were just talking about, who, who are going to persecute us for taking a stand on moral issues like homosexuality he also mentioned uh, the muslims uh, muslims hate well they hate anybody who's even in any way identified with christianity uh, so that's a much broader threat to to all who even profess any allegiance at all to jesus christ uh, but i do think for those of us who are trying to very faithfully proclaim the message of Christ in the world today, this social liberalism that would would that tends toward this acceptance of homosexuality, those things are going to be a real danger to us. Canton Calhoun, Georgia says, constant attempts to legislate homosexuality into being accepted as an alternate lifestyle and those who oppose such as being abnormal. We, he says that is a danger. He says, we are seeing attitudes in all areas of society. Um, False doctrine regarding marriage, divorce, and remarriage for several years has invaded the church of the Lord. The scriptures still affirm that concerning scriptural marriage, there is one man for one woman for life. The only reason for scriptural divorce is when fornication and adultery is committed, and the guilty partner is put away due to that reason by the innocent. Divorce and remarriage for any other reason is nothing more than legalized adultery. And so Kent says that that's a problem that he sees as well. But, you know, but notice he mentioned this has invaded the church of the Lord. 
we've got we've got our own brethren who have taken weak stances on the question of marriage, divorce, and remarriage to ju- and are justifying what what he called legalized adultery, uh, taking false positions on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Uh, that's just one example of, of false teaching on moral issues. The society has influenced the church and has and, and unfortunately has corrupted even a number of preachers and teachers are teaching false doctrine on something like marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Along the lines of what Paul was warning against, yeah, these yeah. Uh, dangers that are attacking us. So he, Paul said, grievous wolves shall enter in, not sparing the flock. Could a grievous wolf be someone who teaches a false doctrine on marriage, divorce, and remarriage? Yeah. The, Satan would be pleased. He wouldn't have to get you to just be, uh, abandon your religion altogether. All he's got to do is get you to take a false position on something like marriage, divorce, and remarriage. He's got you where he wants you then. Mike in the chat room says, My thought is that the main attack on the home is the breakup of the family and society, degrading a home like God desires and expects where a husband leads. The parents actually parent the children by telling them no, etc. Also add to that the lack of fathers in the home has a negative impact on the family, regardless of race, income, etc. I think that's exactly right. Thank you, Mike. Uh, the, uh, uh, so... We're getting we're getting teaching on uh, false teaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. We're getting false teaching on the role of men and women, so that the father's leadership in the home is challenged. And then, of course, we've got the huge problem of absent fathers. Uh, I, I was reading just recently where over half the children born in America now are born to unmarried women. And so the family is just disintegrating in our culture, and that, and, and of course, that's a great problem. We, I, I, thankfully, I think we can say that in the church, we don't see that that as uh, being. Uh, we're certainly way behind the curve, thankfully, on that sort of thing. But that's the culture, and that culture keeps impinging upon the church and influencing us. All right, the devil's like a roaring lion, seeking about whom he may devour. We're going to take a break. We'll continue talking about these external dangers as we get back from the break. And we want to take your thoughts in the chat room, over the email, or over the phone tonight. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. Warning, this is to make you aware of a disorder plaguing American and the metro area, BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Many people are not getting enough Bible in their daily lives. Are you? Answer the following questions to see if you might be suffering from BDD. Do you answer spiritual questions by saying, I think, instead of the Bible says? Do you depend on religious authors and pastors to tell you what to believe? When Benny Hinn says, this is your day for a miracle, do you believe him? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you might be suffering from BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. The College View Church of Christ is dedicated to fighting BDD by teaching the Bible. We focus on Christ by following his word. Don't succumb to BDD, Bible Deficit Disorder. Fight it by joining us for Bible study on Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. As long as there is breath in your body, it is not too late to fight Bible Deficit Disorder. We'll see you this Sunday at the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. The world needs more warm hearts and fewer hot heads. A problem is a chance for you to do your best. Man, wish I'd said that. 
Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight as we uh, talk about dangers that we're facing in uh, society today. Uh, I want to go back to that idea of, of hate speech. And uh, I want to emphasize again that what we're saying is not based on hate in, in any way. Uh, a lot of folks will say that just because they may disagree with what you're saying. So, well, that's hateful, but... You tell people that are living contrary to the Bible all the time that they need to change, whether they be liars or drunkards or thieves or heterosexual sinners. That's not because you don't love them, but it's because you understand what God wants for them in their life. I think you're exactly right. Exactly right. You know, we we suggested in our email update that uh, the broader category of dangers uh, and it would incorporate some of what we've been talking about, but the whole idea of worldliness, yep. trying to be like the world, letting the world impact us and change us. Paul said in Romans 12, verse 2, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we're not to be conformed to the world, but of course that's what the world is trying to do, is trying to make us like them. And, and worldliness has uh, worldliness is a general topic, but it has all kinds of manifestations. I tell you one that we're seeing, uh, a, a, I think, a strong influence of worldliness in the church today is this matter of social drinking that we've talked about on the virtual Bible study before. Absolutely, we're, I'm hearing more and more of my own brethren who are taking a very weak position uh, on the question of drinking alcohol. And basically, uh, uh, plenty of preachers I've heard of that are saying, you can't really condemn drinking alcohol. Uh, everybody agrees that you can't get drunk, but you can't say it's wrong to drink alcohol as long as you don't get drunk. And uh, just such a weak position. Again, we, we, we don't have time. It's not our intention tonight to go into a long discourse on what we think the Bible plainly teaches, a condemnation of drinking alcohol at any level. But that's that's, again... A grievous wolf that has entered in among the flock, and a lot of people are being destroyed by it. Absolutely, uh, and the and the, the the sermons, the preaching you hear about it is is just sad the way that people aren't taking a stand. Yeah, basically the impression that there is being left is you just have to decide for yourself what to do. Or it's on just that not thing. a good idea. I heard uh, one sermon a preacher presented. You probably you shouldn't drink because if you drink you might get raped. Really? Yeah. I mean. You got, well, how about if you drink, you're opening yourself up to all kinds of sin. Yeah. And it's and drinking itself is like a violation of God's will for yeah. you. Yeah. But uh you know, it's just that we are allowing the world uh to to shape us. I, I I've made this argument before, but I think we just have to repeat it from first Corinthians chapter fourteen. The context of first Corinthians fourteen was the use of spiritual gifts in the New Testament church and the church at Corinth in specific. Uh, but Paul made an argument there that has application here. He said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 8, If the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who shall prepare himself to the battle? And I think that's what we're doing on question, on these moral questions, the, this issue of worldliness as it impacts the church. We've got preachers in the pulpit who are given an uncertain sound. People, I want to tell you, you tell a young person, you'll just have to decide for yourself whether you want to drink. You just have to decide for yourself whether or not you want to dance. I'll tell you that you give that message. Yes. They're going to run with it, aren't they, Kyle? They're going to run with it. Same as saying, go ahead and do it. Basically, you might as well just say, go ahead and do it. Exactly. Absolutely. And 
you look back to Acts 21 where you're talking about, does Paul act like he was sort of soft-pedaling on issues where he says, I remember that I, for the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears? He was, was, he, he was, was he taking the, the soft he was approach? In, he was very serious about it. Do you think they had any yep. misunderstanding as to where Paul stood on these issues? Did he leave it open to, to, to discussion? You know, you guys got to figure out what you want to do, but uh, I'd rather you didn't. I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, you know, let's all let's all be friends. No, uh, night and day with tears. It's like we've yeah. uh, I've mentioned before. It's like there's the Bible. There's no gray areas in the Bible. It's like it's your black. It's what what's wrong is black, and what's right is in light. It's like there's if you open just a little bit of gray, it, it, gray turns black very quickly. I think so. You got to just you get to close the door. It'd be very. Yes or no, yay or nay. Jesus even yes to your answer be yay or nay. It's like, uh, there is no maybe. You know, exactly, maybe we'll exactly right. And, and uh, my view on that is uh, for for these preachers, if we got any preachers listening who who don't feel like you can say with certainty that it's wrong to drink or dance, well, please keep your uncertainties to yourself. Don't don't mount the pulpit and then begin to preach that you can't say for sure. If you can't say for sure, then just be still. Don't talk about that. You're not yeah. going to help anybody. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Stephen in the chat room says, as the family goes, so goes the nation. Thank you, for Stephen, for that. And Dwight's listening out in Ames, Iowa tonight. He says, to be sober is necessary on the subject of drinking. He says, the Greek word is nepho, which means to abstain from alcohol. Um, thank you for that, Dwight. I agree with you there. Uh, 826. I was just looking at it. We've we just been recently studying in Titus, and Titus, uh, among qualifications for elders, mentioned sober, that they be sober. And the word sober there is free from intoxicants, free from the influence of intoxicants. Now and it is that Greek word, by the way, that Dwight mentions, nepho. It's also the same it, Greek word that's mentioned in Hebrews. I mean, first, second Peter, first Peter chapter 5, verse 8, where we're talking talk about the roaring lion seeking to, about whom and we're told to be sober. Yeah. To be free from the influence of intoxicants. Because if you're not, the devil will certainly take you down. Now, I've heard this a lot in business. We're, we're maybe getting a little bit off track here, but I've heard a lot of this in business. Somebody wants to know what somebody's thinking about something. You know what they say? I'd like to talk to him about that over a beer. Yeah. Why would they want to talk to him over <laughs> a beer? Not, a, not, not when he's drunk. But over it, a beer. It'll loosen, loosen him up a little bit. It loosens him up. Now, yeah. The devil's a roaring lion seeking about going about whom he may devour. And James tells us that the tongue is an evil that no man can tame. That you can't... Why would I do anything that loosens up this evil that no man can tame? That sets on fire the course of nature and set on fire by hell. Why would I do anything that it removes any of the inhibitions I have about that? Yeah. yeah. All we right. don't want to make our whole program no. tonight. We, we, we'll get on our soapbox. We'll make our whole program about con- condemning the use of say, Yeah, you know, go to, have a drink or two. Yeah. Just don't get drunk. But, yeah. well, you're loosening up your tongue, and you're going to sin with your tongue. Along the lines of worldliness in the chat room, guest 826 says, I've noticed on social media people sharing videos and quotes. Uh, and he says, in sharing, you are approving of it. And then he says they use abru- abbreviations and euphemisms that are posted for the world to see. I, I think I think uh, 826, you're exactly right. That, But the very idea that I could see something of a worldly nature on social media and like it, and not just that I like it, I want to share it with other people. 
How far down the road have we come in worldliness if we're doing that sort of thing? Here's the problem. We're, the devil is out there, and he, he doesn't have to get you to accept it all at once. He just has to hit you with it long enough, Kyle, oh, yeah. where you start to think it's not that bad. That's, and and we, he's got all kinds of ways to hit you with that constantly throughout the day. It's it's like a little a degree. I mean, you may think it's a 1% now, but 10 years, that could be that's your entire – it's just – it's, if you let a crack in, it's just it's you, what you it weakens us to the sins of the world or anything. You like crack that. the door open yeah. and somebody will push it wider. Oh, yeah, exactly right. Uh, Rick in the chat room says the home is the basis of both society and the church. Both are dependent on the home for their citizens. The church and the home are the foundations of the church and the home are the foundations of the church. The type of citizens the home turns out will determine the kind of society as well as the church. We need sorely to see and understand this as well as act accordingly. Thank I you, Rick, for that. I agree, Rick. I appreciate those comments tonight. Well, uh, we mentioned a couple of other things in this broad category of worldliness. Uh, I mentioned gambling and the update. Uh, you're hearing Christians who don't have an issue with playing the lottery and so forth. Yep. Uh, what's happened? Why? What? How did that happen? We have... Well, the reason it happened is because we stopped teaching strongly against these things. We've watered it down. We've gotten to the point now. I think a lot of Christians would have a hard time. In fact, some of them wouldn't even try. I think, but even Christians who don't maybe personally gamble would have a hard time explaining what's biblically wrong with gambling. And I guess we're old enough that we know the ancient landmarks. There never was a question before, was it? I mean, it was. Yeah. You, you didn't gamble. Yeah. You didn't drink. You didn't go to the dance. And, 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 and now and, so many people are having trouble, and I wonder, like you, how many people would have enough scriptural knowledge to make any kind of argument against this type of immorality? Yeah, and that, that's that's uh, that's an internal danger of the church to the church, or I mean, an external danger of the world rather. And we were talking about external danger. These worldly things are impacting church, but there's an internal component of that in that we're not teaching against it. We'll talk more about that when we get here to the second part of our discussion, but. Uh, uh, and, and, of course, a huge problem. I, th- I think a huge problem in the church, the world has, from the outside, influenced us in the matter of immodesty. Uh, Dwight sent in an email. He said, I understand that the world does not look at modesty as a sin, but it is. He mentions a specific. I think this is something for Christians to think about. Leggings. Today's new pants are very popular fashion. When one allows his daughters and wives to wear these worldly popular clothing, as pants, he's allowing them to wear clothing that accentuates every part of the body, and this opens up the door for everyone to start lusting. We are to be separate and apart from the world. Did Christ dress this uh, way as to draw attention? Did, did Christ dress a way to draw attention to himself? He was an example. We need to follow him. First Peter two twenty one. I'd have to agree. Agree. I mean, we don't, we don't have time to get off into speci- a lot of specifics on this modesty question, but you'd have to be. Uh, blind not to understand that the immodesty of the world certainly is influencing the church. He mentions this leggings thing. I'm I'm pretty much shocked by that because you see girls and older women wearing these leggings and then a dress that they, a dress or a shirt even, that'd be way too short if they didn't have the leggings on. They, They themselves would regard that dress as way too short if they didn't have the leggings on. Well, but the leggings are are totally form fitting. Uh, I mean, if if leggings cover the parts of the leg that must be covered, 
Well, then why couldn't you say a, a, a tight-fitting bodysuit would be enough to cover the whole body? I mean, think about that logically. I just I agree with Dwight wholeheartedly on that. That is pretty amazing to me. What about it's not if it's not a problem? What about if you got up to preach in leggings? Oh boy, don't that draws a mental picture you don't even want to go. Well, there. I mean, if it's not, a, if it's not, if, it, if, it's, if it's perfectly fine, what about yeah? What about the preacher got up? People would be running for the that. bathroom. Probably, okay, but. so th- these women. And these young girls agree that the leg needs to be covered, and they think the leggings are covering it, right? The the, the leg above the knee, the thigh. They're, they're exposing their thigh, but it's covered with leggings, so that's that to them is a legitimate covering, okay? Well, why wouldn't that same kind of clothing over the whole body? In other words, you don't have, what you have on is a tight, form-fitting bodysuit, nothing else. If the if the leggings cover the are, are adequate covering of the thigh, why wouldn't the bodysuit be an adequate covering of the whole body? Now they wouldn't agree to that, and they wouldn't dress that way, thankfully. But their logic fails when they when they try to suggest that the leggings are a, a satisfactory covering of the thigh. Eight twenty six says leggings are perfect for under a modest skirt to add warmth only. Thank you, eight twenty six. But it that. has to. But the skirt itself has to cover enough. All right. I agree. 826. Thank you. And uh, Mike says, I want to be clear when I say this because don't want someone to misunderstand. One reason I believe that immoral people are so successful in influencing others, Christians, etc., is because they are devoted to their cause. Homosexuals, I obviously disagree with them, but they are not ashamed of who they are. And if you talk to them about it, they do not back down. I make the application to my spiritual life. Do I stand for what I believe, what is right? as boldly as they stand for what they believe. Thank you, Mike, for I that. I think it's a great point. I think it's a very great point. Uh, and, we, and Stephen says some do, and, and we're thankful for Christians who do stand as adamantly and strongly for what they believe as the liberals in our society stand for what they believe. Uh, uh, we all need to. We all need to be encouraged to do so. And uh, thank you for the encouragement, Mike. Uh, Mike encourages and all that it's time for us all to be strong and courageous and not back down. We, it's time for a break. I want to mention. I, I thought of something later that I wanted to add to this list, and I'll just mention it real quickly, uh, and then we'll go to our break. But another danger uh, is the, the danger of complacency. The world sort of lures us into a complacent disposition. Right. You know, we've got we've got so much. We've been blessed with such material abundance that we're just lured into a complacency. The world the world influences us that way. And of course, when when you think about that, what comes to mind almost immediately is the Lord's statement to the church in Laodicea, Revelation three verses fifteen and sixteen. Uh, we, we've got to be really careful about letting the world lure us into complacency. All right, time for a bullet point, and we'll get your thoughts on the other side. What do you think about what we've said so far? We're going to go. We'll when get we back. get back, we're going to talk about internal threats to the church. All right, don't go anywhere. The Verse Bible Study will continue right after this. Now you can listen to a podcast of a recent sermon every week. Find out more at collegeview.com. There's more of the virtual Bible study right after these important messages. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. Our bullet point this week comes from the pen of Bill Hall. Children can influence their parents just as parents can influence their children. The following story about an imaginary couple may have been duplicated in the lives of many of those who are listening. George and Mary were a wonderful couple as they began their life together. Throughout their youth, they had received strong teaching concerning worldliness, and their conduct showed the effects of that teaching. They had been taught faithfulness and attendance, and they never missed a service for anything. 
In character and conviction, they were blameless. This young couple failed, however, to instill into the hearts of their children these same convictions. Consequently, as the children reached their teens, they began to put pressure on their parents to let them do what all the other young people were doing. Gradually, the will of the parents was broken down and they began to permit their children to do things they never dreamed their children would do. Rationalization came easy for George and Mary. After all, the Bible is not specific in these matters, they thought. The Bible says modest apparel, but it doesn't define modesty. And by the way, they're only planning to go to the dance. They aren't really planning to dance, per se. We can't say no to everything, they reasoned. When Junior began to show unusual athletic ability, the question of attending services became a problem. At first, they took Junior out of games and brought him to midweek services. But then the team began to depend more and more on him. The playoffs came, and the team's only hope in the playoffs was for Junior to play. George and Mary gave in. And once they had given in, they had no more argument for the future. Junior never missed another game to go to church. George and Mary often found themselves on the defensive in Bible classes. They began to argue for their children's behavior. And the more accustomed they became to their children's actions, the more innocent their actions seemed to be. Eventually, their own conduct became affected. They reached the point where they thought nothing of missing on Friday night during a meeting in order to see Junior play ball. Mary even adopted some of the daughter's dress habits, although remaining sufficiently discreet to stay in the good graces of the brethren. Yes, George and Mary are still in good standing in the church, and their change has been so gradual that many fail to realize that they're not the strong Christians they formerly were. What happened to George and Mary? Well, instead of bringing up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, their children brought them down in the nurture and admonition of the devil. Our children may do wrong, but they must not do wrong with our permission. We do not seek anger, but repentance. Parents, would your names fit in the place of George and Mary in the story we've just told? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us an email with your snail mail address. We'll get you a bumper sticker. You can help us spread the word about the program. And if you have any question or comment about something you've heard on the Virtual Bible Study, would like further uh, study and discussion, We'd love to hear from you. Questions at collegeu.com is the email. And if you don't want to call us or contact us, have your preacher contact us. And and we'd be glad to talk with him. If there's things that we disagree about, we'll talk about those and try to come to an understanding. At least we'll understand one another better. We'll do it in a friendly, loving manner, too. Uh, If you have questions about how we conduct ourselves in those discussions, listen back in our archives. And we've talked with people we disagreed with adamantly, all the way from atheists to Baptists or folks that we disagreed with. Uh, and we would love you to check those out and know that we do that in a loving manner. So if you're willing to discuss your differences with us, uh, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Okay, so we're talking about dangers we face tonight, and we've tried to cover, we just really have touched the hem of the garment, but Paul said to the Ephesian elders, I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. So Paul said dangers would come from external sources. We've tried to comment on some of those those dangers are real they're abundant we definitely got to be on guard but then he said to them this is acts 20 verse 30 also of your own selves now he's talking to the elders he's talking to the leaders of the efficient congregation he says also of your own selves 
shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. That's right. Therefore, watch. Remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So Paul suggested that some of the dangers were going to come from within, that that some who were in the church would do things that would, notice he said they would speak perverse things and draw away disciples. What would be an example of some of those sort of things? That's interesting. You had a longer list for internal dangers than you did external dangers. Yeah, I did. Do you did. think they're more significant? Um, you know, I, in a way, I think they are because, you know, if if I've got a if I've got a guy who who's not he's not on my side. He doesn't even pretend to be on my side. He's an enemy, and he's lobbing he's lobbing in hand grenades from over there. I, I, I can see him. I can I can be aware of the danger that he possesses or uh, poses rather. But if the guy is over here on my side, and while I'm concentrating on that guy over there, he's walking around stabbing people in the back. That that's potentially even more dangerous. I think so. And so there, there's a lot of a lot of things we need to be uh, on guard against. I let, let me run through the list I suggested to our update list real quick. Failure to respect Bible authority. You know, we got to have Bible authority for everything that we do. Colossians 3, verse 17 says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of or by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to have authority. We've got people today who don't care one bit about having authority for what they do religiously. And we're not talking about the way far out religious folks. Uh, we're talking about people who have have in the past held a more conservative approach to their service, and yet now even they are saying, ah, well, the, the, those rules about Bible authority are self-imposed. You dreamed. They, they even would criticize us. You know, when we talk about establishing Bible authority by command, example, and necessary inference, they, they say, you guys dreamed that up. That That's, that's something that you invented, and, and of course it's not. We think we can prove it from Scripture. But that's that's the kind of attack that Bible authority is under. And you know, even within the church, there are folks who are weary of that type of preaching, don't want, don't have much appetite for it. In fact, you look at, God, I don't know if you do any searches around for web, on websites of Churches of Christ, but their sermons they don't seem mm-hmm. to be focusing a lot on authority. A lot of stuff doesn't seem like people have much tolerance for that type of uh, teaching anymore. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Kyle. Well, it's, I think it's a. Uh, it's almost like a litmus test. If you're looking at uh, churches, if you want to like just stream their, look at their services, or just uh, expand your Bible study, it's. If you look down through what they've been teaching about, I think it's just if they haven't been talking about one Bible authority or any of the marriage, divorce, remarriage. That's a, that's a good one. Homosexuality. That's it's not on a. In the past year, if there's nothing on that in the past year or two, then that's probably a good in- inclination yeah. of what they've been talking about. I, I think that's a really good point, Kyle. So, and I don't want to over—I don't want to overstate the case, but a lot of the sermons that you see on these websites are, for want of a better description, I would call them feel-good themes. They are the kind of sermon that you could preach in any denominational church. Now, that's, that does not in and of itself make it bad. But when that's the sole diet that's being fed to the church is, is non-controversial, uh, non-confrontational kind of feel-good messages. And we do need feel-good messages. I'm not denying that. 
But when that's the steady diet, that's some people all. might think we need a few more feel good after <laughs> maybe some think we're grumpy. Maybe I don't know. But but the but if that's the only diet we're getting, then we're not we're not going to be prepared for the for the onslaught that is coming our way. Absolutely, Stephen. Though in the chat room says lose the authority and the numbers grow. Well, that's the problem. I think that's it. I, I, I mean, so when we stop teaching about Bible authority and when we stop demanding, thus saith the Lord for everything we do, when we stop speaking as the Bible speaks and being silent where the Bible is silent, well, then we can we can bring in bigger bigger numbers. You know, there's a lot of things we can do bring in bigger numbers if we want to. The question is, are we going to are we going to do that or not? And that actually is one of the other things that I had mentioned in the list: a spirit of compromise. Uh, so uh, if we develop this spirit of compromise, we we just can't come down hard on these issues. Uh, uh, instrumental music, uh, women preachers, uh, you know, well, times are changing, and the, gen- the general the g- general societal view of such things is a lot more moderate than it used to be. And if we come down hard on these things, we're going to lose. Uh, numbers, people won't be interested, they won't come, we won't grow. So we're just going to have to compromise on those kind of things. That spirit of compromise is a great internal danger. Absolutely. Thinking about it in John chapter 6, Jesus is getting pretty controversial in verse 66 of John 6. Many from that time, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them. Jesus said unto the twelve, Will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? For thou hast the words of eternal life. Jesus was turning people away with his teaching. His teaching wasn't all that popular. Yeah, exactly right. And but but no, he didn't he didn't run after him begging him. He didn't say, Let me water that down a little for you. If if that's too offensive, I'll I'll try to soften the tone. I'll try to make it a little a little more palatable. He didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, in the in the chat room. Guest 5944 says, I'm afraid one of the reasons so many dangers are becoming more prevalent in the church is because the members are not grounded uh, in the Bible, but are really just there as part of a social club. He, uh, and, and then 5944 goes on to say, amen on the leggings discussion. Maybe we should all do some self-examination and see when are we different from the world. Second Corinthians 6, verse 1. Thank you, 5944. All right. Uh, we need to take a break. When we get back, we've got a lot of ground to cover and go to the top of the hour. Continuing to talk about these internal dangers. We never got through your list, and our listeners have submitted ideas as well. Yeah. And we'll take more of those in the chat room or over email tonight or on the phone. Don't go anywhere. We're going to the top of the hour right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Do you remember when elders, deacons, preachers, and Bible class teachers and all church members had strong commitment to the Word? Do you recall when you can always count on book, chapter, and verse preaching from the pulpit? Can you think back to a time when Christians were known as people of the book because they knew their Bible so well? We're still trying to be a church like the church you read about in the Bible. And we're still doing the same things you remember from way back when. Are you longing for a return to the way things used to be? Come and visit. See for yourself. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Among parents with minor children at home, 50% report that they sometimes spank their child, while 45% do not. That information is via ABC News. The Word of God says in Proverbs 13, verse 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. 
For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. All right, we're back on the program talking about dangers that we face today. Um, I'm going to be quiet and let you get through the rest of your list because oh, we're running out of time. Okay, real quick. I, I We talked about failure to respect authority, a spirit of compromise. I mentioned uh, what I think is evident is a lack of reverence, um, that God himself is not held in awe and reverence, as I think the scriptures teach that he should be. And and it's evidence in, in worship, in the way people conduct themselves in worship, maybe even to the extent of the way people dress in worship, shows a disrespect for what we're doing as we assemble to worship and praise God. And I won't take time to read all this. I think most of our listeners surely are familiar with the episode of Nadab and Abihu in uh, Leviticus chapter 10. But note that Leviticus uh, in Leviticus 10, Nadab and Abihu were actually offering worship. But it wasn't worship according to the instructions of God, and God struck them dead. But there's an interesting expression there in Leviticus 10, verse 3. Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And so, you know. What, what, what was God talking about? They were worshiping him for crying out loud. What's the big deal? And they, but he said that he was not being glorified by their worship that wasn't according to his instruction. And so when we come before God, we better be doing his things, his ways. And we all better be showing a high level of respect and, and honor yeah, to him. Yeah, that would be for, a foreign concept to folks who say that you're worshiping God, but he's not being glorified. Yes. How, how could that work? Well, God said you're not glorifying him if you're not obeying him. Yeah. I, and again, we have to be careful here because somebody will, will falsely accuse us of trying to impose a dress code for worship. And we're not doing that. The scriptures don't do that. But you, you'd be just crazy to deny that your dress does say something about the importance that you attach to what you're doing. And so when we when we are careless, even in the way we dress or the way we act, the way we conduct ourselves, when we come together to worship, that's a, that's an indication, I think, of a lack of reverence for God. We've got to be careful with that. I think that's a... Uh, I mentioned uh, another internal danger is thinking too highly of men. I've got this one preacher that I just really, really like. And I'll tell you, whatever he says, I... It's, it's got to be right. I'm not even going to challenge it. Or I've got this professor at a Bible college, and he told me this, and it's got to be right because he's just such a smart guy. He, he couldn't be wrong. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 6, we should learn not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. Be careful not to think too highly of men. That's a danger. In other words, it doesn't matter who the preacher is, you need to make sure that what he's teaching is the truth. And any preacher worth his salt would tell you, make sure it's right. Don't take my word for it. We've got to be careful about thinking too highly of men. I said I was going to be quiet, but I do need to throw something in here. The other uh, uh, way that that works as well is you hear a lot of Christians who are really discouraged and may give up because of someone that they thought a lot of has let them down. Yeah, Maybe maybe some hypocrisy has been exposed and now these folks that were looking up to that Christian 
And I was like, you know, I don't have any desire to go on. I, that just sort of took all the wind out of my sails. We've got to be careful about that as well. So there's a lot of dangers in thinking too highly of men. Exactly right. Uh, uh, and then we kind of already touched on this. I, I had unity in diversity as a danger. In other words, but remember, Paul said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We cannot fellowship error. And an, a, any attitude or disposition is being promulgated in the church whereby we're give, left with the impression that we can have fellowship with those in error. I mean, you see some churches, even churches of Christ, that are having joint services with denominational churches. Well, well how, how can they do that in light of Ephesians 5, verse 11? Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. The byword so, of the New Age movement, Stephen says. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that that sort of covers my short list, but there's a lot more, Jacob. Lots more that have been submitted by our listeners tonight. Stephen, uh, who's in the chat room, has said that the internal dangers are more insidious than external dangers. One danger I have identified, you may disagree, is that we have replaced the biblical example of how to raise up and train the next generation of leaders within the church with an organized school system that mirrors the denominational system of seminaries. I call them cemeteries. I like says. that. I think you're right, Stephen. He says a rose by any other name is still a rose. Our schools do not promote independent research and intellectual freedom, but rather they promote rote memorization of certain scriptures along with the accepted interpretation of said scriptures. Whereas, by contrast, we see in scripture is what I would call the apprentice system, for lack of a better name. Paul trained to Timothy, Barnabas trained to John Mark, etc. This promoted a system where at least two men went out together, as we also see as a part of the approved pattern. This system has shackled true intellectual pursuit of rational exegesis and hermeneutics. Uh, the danger associated with this system is that the church is losing its ability to examine its doctrines that differ with the status quo that have been under, have been rubber-stamped by our schools and generally accepted without challenge or debate. I'm pretty sure that my comments are not exactly what you brethren were expecting. Well, well I, I mean, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I do think that there... That by and large, the so-called Christian college have been detrimental uh, and, and have been the hotbed of a lot of the issues that have become great crises in the church. Yep. And so uh, I, I think that is a danger. I, I wouldn't disagree with you about that at all, yep. uh, Stephen. And when we turn over the training of preachers to some man-made organization, then we're just ripe for a fall because let one let one professor be off on a doctrinal issue in that school, whatever school it is, and he he's not just infe- he's not just infecting one local congregation. So so here's a preacher he gets off on an issue, his influence is limited to the local congregation where he is. But you let one of those professors get off on a doctrinal issue, and he's teaching students who then are going to scatter like seeds to the wind and carry his false position to churches all over the country or world, that's a much bigger problem. So I think that is a danger. I, th- I, I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, you look at the stuff that's coming out of these uh, so-called religious schools and the preachers that are coming out of them who don't even believe the Bible's the inspired word of God anymore. Yeah. Uh, it certainly is uh, very dangerous. Uh, Kent in Georgia says, there is a growing tendency to fail in respect for New Testament authority. As a matter of fact, some even deny that such is necessary. We note evidence in such thinking in various social gospel projects, 
such as secular educational enterprises being sponsored by local churches, church-sponsored recreation such as skating parties, summer camps, ball teams, holiday parties, etc. We also see a lack of, of respect for New Testament authority in centralizing the work of a plurality of churches under a single eldership, the development of uh, parachurch organizations to accomplish the work of the local church. I wonder when we are going to see a Bible baptizing association. In other words, if there could be a Bible... His point there is, if we can make a, a man-made organization to do part of the work that the church was supposed to do, could we could we do other could we make man-made organizations to do other things the church is supposed so to such do? Such as the Bible Baptizing Association, All Saints Praying League, and Christian Communion Federation. Uh, some brethren have demonstrated a lack of reverence in the worship assemblies by using such as a time for visiting. Some uh, constantly disturb the worship of others by unnecessary moving around and walking in and out of the auditorium during the assembly, writing notes and viewing their notepads. There's a spirit of compromise by tolerating false doctrine, false teachers, and false practices, all in the name of expediency, while forgetting that there can be no expediency without New Testament authority. Withdrawing from members who who impenitently practice sin is unheard of in many local churches. It is unfortunate, but nonetheless true, that many attempt to ascertain truth based uh, upon the basis of thinking too highly of men. They seem to think that a concept is scriptural based upon the popularity of a particular preacher, preachers, or some large local church. Unity and diversity is growing a growing heresy among some. Regardless how far some may drift from the truth, there are those willing to extend fellowship to any and all who have a Church of Christ label on all that they believe and practice. Others are denying the nature of the New Testament church, view the church as a denomination among denominations, thus openly accepting either generic baptism or denominational baptism, right along with women preachers, youth ministers, and and even uh, every type of ministry people invent in their wildest dreams. Thanks, Kent. Good good thoughts, Kent. Right on. Exactly right. Uh so we're just all but out of time, Jacob. But the the point of our discussion tonight, and, and of course we've just touched on a whole. I mean, this has been one of those shotgun kind of sermons. You know, some I, I heard a preacher one time refer to sermons. Some sermons are like a rifle shot, where you aim at one specific thing and you and you shoot it. He says other kind of sermons are like a shotgun blast, and you go, you just sort of go everywhere preaching the word. And that's that's sort of what we've done tonight. We've sort of taken a shotgun blast at some of the many dangers that are confronting Christians and the church and certainly it it deserves us being very aware and cautious and and on our guard. And Kyle, uh, what about you? Any comments tonight before we go? No, I think it's something we need to be always vigilant. We just need to make sure that we're on our guard, like I said, just for the ways of the world, make sure we're being fighting that, but also making sure we're looking inward, making sure that we're staying right and abiding by what the Bible says. So. Well, you know, some might complain that tonight's program was a little depressing, Dad. Well, uh, it, 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 we would like to. What we would like is that we could be completely positive and upbeat, and there's no dangers, and there's nobody trying to do anything wrong or lead people astray. But that's that be like the ostrich sticking his head in the sand. The dangers are there. We got to acknowledge them. Back to the passage you started us with in Acts chapter 20, Paul goes on and says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them that are, which are sanctified. The answers to the dangers that we've been discussing tonight are in the scriptures. We have the tools that we need to 
fight off the devil. Yeah, exactly right. All right. Well, uh, Dad, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for joining us on the other end of the line, and we hope that you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.